Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. At Consumer Cellular, you get the same exact coverage as the largest carriers, but for up to half the cost. Same thing, up to half the cost. Up to half the cost for the same thing. 50% the money for 100% the same thing. I hope I'm making myself clear. Consumer Cellular. When freedom calls, we're here to answer. Call us at 1-888-FREEDOM. Half the cost savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single-line 5-gigabyte data plan with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single-line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plan offered by T-Mobile and Verizon May 2023. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. It is an immediate draft reaction edition of the HHC today. Hornets selecting Mark Williams out of Duke with the 15th overall pick. We'll talk about that. They also were involved in a pretty sizable trade in the first round, as well as a smaller one in the second. We'll touch on those, as well as the player heading to Charlotte on the back end of that. And Hornets general manager Mitch Kupchak talked about the current coaching situation for the Hornets. We'll let you hear from him on that topic as well. And helping me on all of these topics, he's my producer on the Hornets radio network, as well as the producer of this fine podcast, Rob Longo, back with us again, and the lead writer from Hornets.com, Sam Perley here for a two Sam's edition of the HHC. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me. I know a long night last night, but a lot to be excited about. Mark Williams is coming to the Hornets. Many, many, if not most, if not all mock drafts seem to have him as the primary target for Charlotte. And based off what we heard from Mitch Kupchak after the draft, that seems to be the case. Personally, I love the pick. I think he's a perfect fit to what the Hornets need. I think he has a huge amount of upside. I just love everything about it and think it is a seamless fit into this roster. But I want to hear from you as well. Let's start with Sam Perley. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I think if you looked at a lot of the mock drafts leading up to this, I think if you looked at the guy that was most commonly kind of penciled into Charlotte, whether it was originally the 13th spot or 15th spot, uh, it was Mark Williams. I mean, just fits an obvious need. They need, you know, they've talked a lot about upgrading the front court position, getting more rim protection, getting more rebounding, getting more finishing abilities. I think finishing took a little bit of a step forward last year, but this is a guy that can, I think, is a really, really versatile center. I think he's more of a modern day center. He does a little bit of everything. I think he's only kind of scratching the surface of what he's capable to do. I think he was, you know, kind of, you know, 
served a certain role at Duke, and I, I think he's really got the ability to kind of get out on the perimeter a little bit more, defend smaller players, stretch the floor, shoot. I think that just scratching the surface, Mark Williams took a major step this past year at Duke after kind of a up-and-down freshman season, and that's what you want to see when you bring guys in. You want to see guys that are improving and getting better because uh, it means they're obviously becoming more value, but they're focusing on what they need to get better on, becoming more versatile, becoming a more better resource to use. So yeah, right there with you. I love the pick of Mark Williams. I think he's going to be a great fit here in Charlotte. Someone else who seemed to love the pick of Mark Williams, Hornets general manager Mitch Kupchak. Here's what he had to say about the 15th overall pick heading here to the Queen City. You know, we're hopeful that he develops, continues to develop at a rapid pace. I think he made, you know, great strides, you know, his first couple of years at Duke. And I'm hopeful that he continues. I know he's a great kid and we know he works hard. He gives us great size and uh, an area that, you know, with uh, rim protection, and rebound on the ball a little bit. He can move his feet. I don't know if that means he can guard small players, but he's a good athlete. Great length, and he's a great kid. He works hard, and he should get better. That ability to get better is the upside here of Mark Williams, because right now he is known as an elite, elite shot blocker, very good rebounder, just a defensive presence day one. But what his upside could be offensively, does he end up being an all-star caliber player you know, I don't know that the Hornets are going to be asking him to shoot a lot from range, uh, basically catch ball within cylinder from LaMelo Ball and throw it down the, the basket. That's kind of the, the M.O. for that position, or at least it has been the last couple of years. But Mitch Kupchak did talk about what he saw in the workouts and that there is some range to Mark Williams' game that they're looking to tap into. But Rob Longo, for me, I, I look at this and say it it's total upside. If you can plug him in now as a defensive presence, that's a huge hole filled here for the Hornets. And then long term, if he's ready immediately or early-ish in his career, in his first year, to plug in as a starting center type player or play those kinds of minutes, great. If it takes a year, that's also okay because Mason Plumley is still under contract and this team functioned very, very well with Mason Plumley. If anything, this gives you a year to really develop Mark Williams at his pace, not one that the team maybe would, would wish he would be on because there's such an urgent need. That urgent need is not so much there because Mason Plumley, a very, very good center, is still here. Well, and I think the other thing here too is, Sam, is where you look at what needs to be developed. It's mostly on the offensive end of the floor and you kind of already talked about that. His defense is already solid. I mean, ACC Defensive Player of the Year, in the two years he was at Duke, he was seventh in career blocks on the all-time list at Duke. And that was only in two seasons. So, you know, we always hear about defense, 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 and how the defense needs to get better here in Charlotte. This is certainly a way to do it. He's a huge rim protector. You know, first thoughts is when I think of Mark Williams, physical, big, and he's sneaky athletic. Sometimes those bigs are just, you know, wide bodies or big bodies that can go in there, but he can get up. He can throw down anything around the rim. He's got the longest standing reach and the longest wingspan at the combine this year. His standing reach is 9-9. You know, he just has to get on his tiptoes to put the ball in the rim. That's just crazy. He was the second tallest player among participants at the combine, measuring at seven feet tall. You know, just kind of the complete package defensively. The offense can come later. The Hornets don't need him to be an offense first player right out of the gate. He needs to be a guy that can come in, stop, be a rim protector, grab rebounds, and move on the other end of the floor. I got a chance to see him in the NCAA tournament this year in Greenville when they were playing Michigan State, and he looked really good. I mean, he had 15 15.8 rebounds. Doesn't sound like a lot, but he also had five blocks against a very good Michigan 
Michigan State team. Really impressed me there. And the other thing, too, is that kind of goes under the radar is he doesn't get to the free throw line very often, but he's a good free throw shooter. He shot 72% from the charity stripe last year at Duke. So, you know, that's a little bit of an improvement regardless at the center position because sometimes, you know, those guys are 30, 40, 50% free throw shooters. So the fact that he's up in the 70s is a huge plus as well. Part of why there's a lot of hope that his his offensive game could expand from right around the basket within arm's length, which for him is a pretty far stretch away, to much further actually you know have some maybe three-point capabilities later on down the line. Let's hear from the draft pick himself. He spoke to the Charlotte media after being selected by the Hornets 15th overall, Mark Williams, on what it'll be like fitting in to this roster. Obviously, I think I fit really well with them. You know, just the way I play, the way, you know, I think that was just really beneficial for, you know, obviously the Hornets organization. And then obviously for myself, you know, I feel like all the things I bring to the table will be really helpful for this team and they won't regret it. One last thought on on how he fits in and why he might fit in a little quicker than your normal college player is the fact that he played on the Duke team that he did. There were four total first-round picks in this current draft here from that Duke class, a fifth one if you take it out to the top 40 picks or 45, whatever it ended up being. So Mark Williams is used to playing with really good players who score the ball and shoot the ball a lot and having a defined role and being able to excel at that. And, And I think that means a lot. There are other centers in the draft who maybe command the ball a little bit more or need to have the ball a bit more to be effective. Mark Williams didn't need the ball to be effective for Duke. And when you look at this Hornets team, you've got LaMelo Ball, who hopefully his shots grow next season. Same for Miles Bridges, Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward. There's a lot of scoring power on this team. P.J. Washington, book night next year. There, there's a lot of scoring power. Mark Williams is unlikely to be the top two or three option anytime he's on the floor outside of Summer League. So the fact that he already knows how to operate and excel in that kind of environment, that's going to help him leaps and bounds as he adjusts to the NBA. Yeah, that's a really good point you made. Obviously, as you mentioned, a, a very star-studded Duke team highlighted by the, the number one pick in the, the draft in Paolo Bancaro. And yeah, it, it, it speaks to the strides he made this season. And I think just looking at his stats, I mean, he only averaged less than seven shots a game. I'm sure good handful of those were just offensive rebounds, put back, some lobs and stuff like that. So sometimes when you bring in college guys, bring in a guy that is used to getting 15, 20 shots a game and hasn't really necessarily developed the rest of his game because he's taking on such a heavy offensive load, it could be a challenging adjustment to the NBA. I don't think that's going to be the case with Mark Williams. I mean, that's a great point. Um, I think and to echo what Rob said, I think the free throw shooting, the fact that it jumped almost 20 percentage points between his freshman and sophomore year, that's a really, really encouraging sign because it means he's probably got really good form. I mean, if he can get to the line you know, multiple times a game, four, five, six attempts, something like that down the line. I mean, he can he can be a guy that is a nightly double-double threat for this Hornets team. There's a lot he can do day one to help the Hornets long term. There's a ton of upside to this young man. Shot 70% over the course of his career at Duke, and I think just having LaMelo Ball throw the ball to him, we can get that to 80, 85. No sweat. Very excited. I love the pick. Sounds like you guys do too. Hopefully the Hornets fans will as well. You'll be introduced to him today. Hornets are going to have their introductory press conferences, so as hard as we're working on this podcast, it'll probably uh, you know have another one replacing it within 24 hours. That's the way it works in the podcasting world. We're going to move right along here on our Draft Reaction Podcast. There was a significant deal for the Hornets in yesterday's NBA draft, as well as another selection. We'll talk about both those items as we roll along here on on the Hornet Hivecast. 
I could have gotten my hearing aids anywhere, but going to a doctor who could find a set that fit my lifestyle was a good idea. Music sounds as clear now as when I listen to it on cassette tapes. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates offers a wide variety of hearing aids. With affordable pricing and credit options, our patients can find hearing care that is right for them. Hear like you once did. Call 704-295-3000 to schedule an appointment. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, they just make sense. Sam Farber, Rob Longo, Sam Purley here with you on the HHC, an immediate draft reaction edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets ended up making two picks. They came into the night with three on draft night, 13, 15, and 45. 15 is the only one that they actually stuck with, although we didn't know it at the time. The 13th pick, Hornets had their pick of centers at that spot. And for a moment, it looked like Jalen Duran, the center out of Memphis, who is very, very highly regarded, would be the pick. But as the night went on, we got word that a trade had been made. Hornets dealt the number 13 pick, Jalen Duran, to the New York Knicks, who are in talks to send it further along. The exchange was for the Denver Nuggets 2023 first-round pick, as well as four second-round picks over the next couple of seasons. Hornets general manager Mitch Kupchak talked about the deal. We do have four second-round picks that we got, and we've already used one to get a player that you know we coveted, right? So, you know, you can only deal with you know, what transpires, you know, during the market, right? I mean, even though you want more, you know, if it's not there, it's not there, right? You know, we did not feel, and I think I talked about it earlier, that it made sense to bring in another young player, right? Now, if we would have done that, you know, that would have been six now because we did Bryce McGowan. You know, there's just a limit to how many young players that you can bring onto a team and expect to make a jump. Gentlemen, I want to talk about the items brought back in the deal, but I'm going to start with you, Rob, on the thought that Mitch touched on at the end of that quote, which is you can only develop so many guys. There are 15 spots on an NBA roster. If you commit more than six to development, you're either saying we're going to develop one or two or more of these pieces on the fly and live with whatever deficiencies they have compared to someone who is more experienced at the NBA level, or you're saying we don't count on anyone getting hurt the entire season and the nine-person experienced rotation will suffice all 82 games, neither of which is really realistic. So I think in a certain respect, this is a huge sign for the players on the roster, young and experienced, that this team believes in you, thinks you're ready to take this jump and not just make the playoffs, but be competitive in them. That's the message I got from Mitch Kupchak in why this deal went down and why they didn't want to make it half the roster, essentially, of players drafted in the last two years. And when you take a look at the roster overall now, it's a good blend. It's a good blend of some veterans. It's a good blend of some up-and-coming guys. It's a good blend of some budding superstars, you would imagine, with guys like LaMelo Ball and Miles Bridges, and then there's those veterans like a Terry Rozier and a Gordon Hayward. And, of course, there's plenty of moves that could happen here in the offseason with free agency, and Mitch Kupchak alluded to that a little bit. But, yeah, I mean... You know, some people thought that the value wasn't great for what they got, but he's got all this great draft capital now stashed away. I mean, you can always use those second round picks on veteran guys, especially when you get to the trade deadline here in this upcoming season. A lot of times you got guys on expiring deals that you might need a veteran presence and all teams going to want from him in return is a second round pick. So you can be able to make some little minor moves that can go really a long way moving forward. So I know there's some mixed emotions with it, but all in all, you know, Mark Williams is that guy 
that the Hornets wanted. They went out and got him, and then they were just able to use that draft capital, which you know I don't think was very expected moving forward because I think a lot of people didn't expect the New Orleans Pelicans to make the playoffs. So the fact that they were able to get that second pick in the first round really went a long way. And it ends up filling a gap for the following year when it comes to first-round picks. But going back a step here, I'm fully convinced, guys, that if Mitch Kupchak and the staff said, there's a superstar, there's an all-star potential at that pick, we can't give this up. They would have made the selection. So that's part one of this. Part two is what they get back. There has been a lot of commentary on social media, which is always dangerous, about what the return was. I actually like the return. The four second round picks can be used, as you mentioned, in deals later on. They help you know, give you the opportunities to get players you want into your camp. One was used last night. We'll talk about that momentarily. But also, it gives you a first round pick for next season. And these first round picks are invaluable, especially as you become a more competitive team to continually put young talent into the roster. Just look at the Golden State Warriors right now. Yeah, they got a couple of lottery picks based off the two really bad seasons that they had while all their superstars were injured. They also have a lot of late first round picks who are big time contributors to this team or were able to be dealt for big-time contributors to this team that just helped them win a championship. So the fact that the Hornets did not have a 2023 first-round pick, assuming they make the playoffs and, and that one would have conveyed, and now they do Sam Perley, I think is huge for the Hornets. Gives them a little bit more space to have young developmental guys on the roster for the next handful of seasons without dedicating half of next season's roster to developing players for the future. I think maybe some of the frustration maybe lies in if you're trading them away, you want to get something kind of tangible in return. You want to get a player, you want to see a guy that you can see. I can see that there'd be kind of some, uh, it can be a little deflating to see, okay, we've got picks and we can't necessarily really do with it. You know, it could be, you know, second rounders. I mean, I think you want to be able to have something to look at and to see is, okay, that's ours now. And you don't really get that feeling from picks picks necessarily but the picks can set up moves can set up moves to get those you know selections in the future i mean it could you could look back and be like wow what you know we we use what we got in that trade the jalen duran trade to set up this trade or to set up that trade so you kind of have to wait to see how it goes down the line but all in all i mean it just adds as, as mitch used i like the term just currency it's it's trade currency and the other thing too is i think when people um, you're kind of looking at it. You're taking the 13th pick, and the pick they're getting is from Denver. And let's say Denver is, you know, 20, 21 pick next year, something like that. It's not a tremendous drop off between. St- 13 to 21 in player. I mean, it's not 30 picks. I mean, it's kind of, you know, your mid lottery, late teens kind of picks. So I don't think it's it's huge. And I think that I think what it ultimately came down to is like we've kind of echoed is I just, there's just not a ton of developmental room left on the roster right now, essentially since JT Thor, James Bookdown, and Kai Jones are almost basically redshirted their rookie years and coming in. There's just only so many resources and playing time and minutes and things like that available. So I thought it was a great move. And I think it's going to set up something future down the line. Already set up one move for the Hornets. They were able to move up from 45 to 40 in the second round and draft Bryce McGowan's out of Nebraska. Rob Longo, I know you've done a deep dive into Bryce McGowan's, the uh, freshman out of Nebraska who is uh, somewhat local, just across the North Carolina, South Carolina border is where he played his high school ball. Your thoughts on the pick? 
It's an interesting pick. I mean, six seven guard, one and done in Nebraska. And the whole reason he went to Nebraska was just to play with his brother. He was highly touted coming out of high school in that Clemson region of South Carolina. Very quick, very good in transition. He had 11 games north of 20 points last season on a Nebraska team that got bounced in the first round of the conference tournament. So, you know, not a ton of film on him per se because he wasn't at a, you know, a blue blood or a big time program. Goes to Nebraska in the middle of the country and plays in the Big Ten and has some pretty good games where he was kind of the man. So we'll see what he's able to do in an NBA situation similar to like what James Booknight was coming out of UConn where he was the man at UConn and he wasn't used to having so much free space out on the floor more or less. Could be a similar situation here with Bryce McGowan's. Again, we don't know how much he's going to be able to play into this big league club roster based on guys like James Booknight and of course LaMelo Ball and Terry Rozier. So, you know, it might be kind of one of those things where we might not hear a lot from Bryce this upcoming season, but maybe two or three seasons down the road, he's able to develop into something pretty unique and can be maybe a big contributor to this franchise. And I definitely like the upside on him. A lot of the mock drafts out there, the experts out there had a first round grade on him so the fact that he slipped to 40 an opportunity for the Hornets to get him for you know less than many thought it would cost to get that type of talent and going back to when he was coming out of high school he was rated ahead of A.J. Griffin ahead of Malachi Branham who were both first round picks now there's a lot of development that takes place between high school and your first year of college and more development will take place but it does indicate he's that kind of athlete he's that kind of physical specimen that can and become something special here for the Hornets, and all it cost him was a second-round pick. So I like the pick there as well. He will be joining the Hornets, and he'll be introduced to the media as well as the community here later on today. One more topic to go here on this edition of the HHC. Hornets general manager Mitch Kupchak talked about the coaching situation. We'll let you hear from Mitch Kupchak after this quick break here on the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets fans, make sure you download the Hornets app this season for an enhanced game day experience. The Hornets app is your home for the game day digital program with all the information on your favorite team and giveaways every game day. You'll also find predictive games, mobile food ordering, and even a wallet for your NFTs. Download the Hornets app today. Sam Farber, Rob Longo, Sam Purley here with you on the Hornets Hivecast, our post-draft edition of the HHC. And in addition to draft news, some coaching news has certainly been circulating here with the Hornets. We appreciate all of your patience uh, with us here on the Hornets Hivecast. We were doing all of our player profiles, and then all of the coaching news started to come down, and we are in a constant holding pattern until things become official. And obviously, a lot of things did not become official. So uh, we uh, apologize for not addressing some of these earlier, but we are happy to now bring to you some of the quotes from Hornets general manager Mitch Kupchak. So he talked about the coaching situation, uh, team still without one. And first, let's look at it in the context of yesterday, of last night, the draft. Many teams have a head coach who, in theory or in reality in some cases, seems to have a lot of impact on the draft. There are other general managers who the roster is theirs, and it's up to the coach to manage the players afterwards. Uh, the Hornets are more of the latter. Or they, they are the latter. Mitch Kupchak is in control of the roster. And one thing he said to the collected media last night was that ultimately having a head coach, not having a head coach, was not going to impact what the Hornets did on draft night. They're welcome to be around. They're welcome to be in the building. They're welcome to be in the draft room. And listen, and if there's a question, they could ask a question, and I could ask an opinion. And if they don't want to be in the building, that's fine too. So 
it didn't really matter that we didn't have a coach in the building. I think there's been kind of this, maybe a little bit of a misconception that because if you don't have a coach, that the organization is kind of in some sort of like rudderless phase that it just doesn't know where it's going. I mean, the draft process does not start with the end of the season. It's been going on since August, September. I mean, it's probably starting now for next year. I mean, it will be starting soon. So I think all the work, all the evaluations, and even if they had hired somebody within last two weeks, that individual was not going to have a whole lot of bearing on making the decisions. I mean, the, the, Mitch and his, his staff do a great job of kind of getting, I mean, they had, I think, almost close to 100 guys in here the last few weeks from all over the country to kind of evaluations and work out on top of going to the combine and things like that. So I understand that, you know, people want the coach in place. I think we want the coach in place, but you want to make sure you do it right and you make the right decision and you go through the process and they'll get there. They'll get the right guy. It'll all work out. But like you said, the two are not necessarily interconnected and intertwined as much as maybe it would seem on the surface. And Mitch said something to that that effect that it's not as if he wouldn't ask the coach his opinion on a player that he had worked out because that person had just worked him out but you wouldn't at the same time give that so much weight that you disregard everything else you've ever seen heard read done with that player based off one interaction uh, so it's, it's a very very in-depth process the draft process uh, and while a coach does have benefits uh, no doubt not denying that uh, it it's not that much of an impact on any team to go through a draft without a head coach. Hornets were not the only ones who went through the draft without a head coach. Something else Mitch Kupchak touched on, there will be a coach. It is going to happen. Here's what he said about the process and where it sits right now. Yeah, we spent a lot of time together since Tuesday and in person going over candidates, candidates that we've already interviewed, maybe some new candidates you know, making sure that we cover our bases. You know, we have not rushed this process. You know, we never felt the need to, to rush it. Uh, we wanted to pick and choose the right coach. And, uh, and we thought we did, okay? And we talked about him deciding to do otherwise, right? Which is better now than a year from now. Having said that, we're going to get a good coach. We're going to get a good coach. The roster is really what wins the games. You know, a good coach is only going to help with the roster. But the most important thing is to get the roster together. And we'll get a good coach, and we'll be in good shape. That last point, guys, I think is the most important one. No one is discounting the importance of a head coach, but the roster is what wins things. And if you want a a perfect case example, look at the Golden State Warriors. Steve Curry is legitimately one of the best coaches, not just of his generation, but of all time. When his big three, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green were healthy, they won a championship this last season. When they were not healthy, they were one of, I think they had the worst record in the NBA when those three weren't there. That doesn't mean Steve Kerr isn't a great coach because they fell to the bottom. It means it's a player's league. And you can even look at early in Kerr's tenure. He had that long stretch where he was out due to back surgery. And Luke Walton, who has struggled as a head coach when he's had other jobs, not having that same caliber of talent, had a better record in the regular season than Steve Kerr did. So, again, I'm not discounting how important a coach is, but the roster is what determines the trajectory of a team. And the roster that Mitch Kupchak has put in place is 
going to make whoever that next head coach is very, very happy. And I think that's kind of what you want in a organization. I mean, the general manager's job is to build the roster. The coach's job is to coach the players. I think when you start to blur the lines a little bit, that's where you can kind of get in a little bit of trouble. And so I think the fact that, you know, Mitch Kupchak has been doing this a very, very, very long time. He knows what he wants. He's able to build those pieces together. It's all about finding the right fit coaching-wise, and then you can kind of go from there. I mean, the Golden State example is a prime example of what that's going to take. I mean, Steve Kerr, of course, is an excellent coach, but, you know, when you don't have the greatest shooter of all time or you don't have a guy that can light up like Clay Thompson, then you're kind of in trouble a little bit. So, you know, we kind of learned that the hard way here in Charlotte the last couple of seasons with the way the Gordon Hayward injury happened two seasons ago, and then, of course, the way that the health and safety protocols kind of hit the Hornets a little bit harder in December where half the roster was gone. I mean, of course, a lot of teams and a lot of organizations were dealing with that, but, you know, it just goes to show to prove that if you don't have the right players out on the floor, the coach doesn't really matter a whole lot. Health and talent uh, mean a heck of a lot in the NBA, and hopefully the Hornets have good health all through this upcoming season. They certainly have a lot of talent. Some added to it last night on draft night. Mark Williams, 15th overall pick. He will join the Hornets as their center of the present future. He's going to be a big part of the puzzle here for the Hornets moving forward. They also add a second round pick in Bryce McGowan's out of Nebraska. And we look forward to talking to both of them in the coming days and introducing them to you here via the Hornets Hivecast. With all that said, gentlemen, thank you for a very late night last night and joining me here today on on the Hornets Hivecast. Of course. Thank you for having me. Pleasure as always. And thanks to all of you for tuning in as well. We'll have another edition of the HHC as we start to introduce the rookies to the Queen City. We'll have that for you next edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.